All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Sorry, I have that microphone adjusted uh, for my height because that's the one I've been using to record my audio book. Oh, how's that going? Okay, it's really, it's actually, it's, it's really a, quite a pain in the ass. It's a labor of love? Yeah, I guess you could call it that. Because yeah. <laughs> I just sit in here alone and like, you have to, it's not like doing a radio break. It's not conversational. It's very specific, right? Mm-hmm. Verbally. And so you want to get it right and you want to really eloquate it properly. And how many times do you like reread over things? Well, if I nail the line uh, cleanly the first time, I move on. Do you just go line by line, like sentence yeah, I by just, sentence? Yeah, I just read the book. But if sure. I if I trip up, mm-hmm. I got to go back and start at the beginning of the line or sometimes the paragraph just so it flows properly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes like five tries. <laughs> and at that point, you start to see the audio spike on the screen because it's me going like, fuck! <laughs> Is there ever times where you just put the emphasis on the weirdest syllables? Like... The cow went over the moon. <laughs> no, I haven't done that. Okay. I'm in here for business, you're not for pleasure. Yeah. I guess I'm a pro. Yeah, no, that 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 whole process is, is quite a struggle. And How I'm, long will it take? Well, I'm about half done now. Mm-hmm. Um, and How many I've, man hours have you put in? Probably like five hours wow. of reading. Yeah, but again, like if, if my throat's not clear, because mm-hmm. sometimes your mouth just works better than other times. Right. Sometimes you come in here and you're like... It, it's a breeze and other times it just doesn't flow very smoothly um next week i've got a few days off nice so providing it is not extremely loud in this building mm-hmm. which is a big providing because this is a construction site right uh i will get more if not the rest of it done sweet i hope but then it'd be a big editing process mm-hmm. it's like it, within the next couple of weeks i'll have been working on this book for a year oh my god really yeah yeah and it's like that's such a pain in the ass because it's not even like my passion project, really. It's not like a thing that I like. It's not even a thing that I really care deeply about. It's just this project that got away from me. Like it initially was supposed to be a 15,000 word short story mm-hmm. in three parts, five, five, and five. And when I finished the first part, it was 16,000 words. Right. And so at that point, I'd built enough momentum that I didn't really want to stop. Mm-hmm. But it was never going to be like it's. I, I would never write about elves and wizards and and pirates, except I did. Elves and wizards and pirates, all in one. Is there a janitor that used to work at Harvard in it? <laughs> yes, and I can't figure out if I've if I've seen that anywhere else. I'm pretty uh, sure it's original. I was gonna say another idea would be like if you had um, like a guy with a list, uh, and he like wanted to save people. Yeah, that'd be really good, yeah, especially if it was like, if he was like really going in there to like save humanity mm-hmm. and and stop one of the most heinous acts in human civilization history. Yeah, right. Yeah, I could really see that being exciting. Use this, or just like just like a really simple story of like two friends who are in prison together, and one is innocent and the other one's technically not, but he's a good guy at heart. And right. You know, and they, some, there's, there's, they, they redeem themselves. They have some sort of a redemption. They yeah. climb through, like, a, they go through a bunch of shit, and then they redeem themselves. Right, right. Or just, like, something where there's a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> like, we could call it There Will Be Blood. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> I think you're just going into straight titles at this point. I was reaching, yeah. Um, I was going to say another name of a movie, but I can't remember what it was. But it was, uh, like, a really classic movie that I could have used. Anyway, 
Citizen uh, Kane. Maybe if you like had a cane <laughs> and there was a citizen. I'm in not it. sure you've seen Citizen Kane. Hmm? No, <laughs> I thought it was. Just hey, about Becky canes. and I watched the Citizen Kane of horrible movies this week. The we, Room. We watched The Room. How was it? Man, <laughs> nothing could have prepared me for how bad this movie is. Was it enjoyably bad? Oh, there are moments t- t- where we like. Where one one second I would just be watching the screen silently, and the next second I was in full rolling on the floor, crying with laughter. Really? Yeah, upheaval. It was it was it was astonishing that this was a movie that was meant to be taken seriously. Excellent. I really want to watch it. I still haven't watched the trailer. It's so much more pornographic than I thought it was supposed <laughs> to be. There's like over ten minutes of sex scenes in it. Really? And it's horrible to look at. The acting is just it's so profoundly bad. Did the rich guy go bankrupt from this movie, or is he still just a rich guy who made a movie? I don't know. He's since it. made an, uh, another movie or two. Oh, right. Um, that have become hits just in spite of himself? I don't think so. Not oh, okay. not quite like this. Okay. I think this was his lightning in a bottle moment. Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's something else, but I'm excited to see Franco's movie. Wow. Well, um, speaking of uh, Man Crush Monday, like we were talking about, we were talking about Man Crush Monday yeah, for did five minutes with Becky. Uh, do you see who's on the cover of the Rolling Stone? <laughs> PMJT. Isn't that crazy? I know. Yeah. Well, and we talked about this on the radio show a little bit this afternoon because people tend to forget Rolling Stone has always been a political magazine. Yes. Like it, it, I, Rolling Stone kind of has the same uh, fan base, at least their vocal fan base, as say Howard Stern, which is to say they follow it constantly right and loyally yeah. but they bitch about everything about it right they just talk about how it's nothing like it used to be so it's if, yeah it's not it's not primarily a political magazine but they have political specialists that always. consistently write in it and there's at least three times a year that there's a political cover well and there's also this idea that it's strictly a rock and roll magazine like putting selena gomez on the cover is a mistake and that's right that's, that's wrong too true. it's always been about popular culture yeah. it just happened to be that Stevie Nicks was a rock star when she was the Selena Gomez of her time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always been like like resident political commentators. And certainly every president who's ever sat has been on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting- Although, although I, I don't know if everyone has been on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I think usually the right wingers are on in jest. Like there's well, a, like a political cartoon. I was, yes. And I was going to say... Uh, Putting somebody on the cover of your magazine is not necessarily a celebration of them. Like, they put that Zarnayev guy who did the Boston Marathon bombing on the cover. Right. And that was pretty controversial. But they've never put a, just a legit photo of Donald Trump on the cover, have they? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But, like, Time Magazine has, and Time Magazine sure. definitely skews left. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it probably will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 not the first time a politician's been on there and... Uh, Trudeau looks very handsome, I suppose. Sure, people love that about him. Yeah. His looks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know a lot about it. I know that some people are like starting to get kind of antsy about his um his failure to follow through on like electoral reform yes. or But yeah. I mean, it's only been a year, right? It right. takes a while for these things. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing about about uh partisanship is that people are determined to either like or dislike somebody very infrequently our our minds changed that's kind of my despondence about politics yeah since especially since since trump took Mm -hmm. office my friend's been doing a a good job of trying to listen to left-wing radio and right-wing radio great and just like take and, and there's like 
some people that are kind of in the middle well yeah. show both sides yeah um and they just kind of commentate on on either or on whatever topic it's really hard to divide it especially with american politics right now it's really it's really imbalanced to divide it by left and right because there are plenty of right wing or like or uh, historically right wing pundits and journalists who are not supporting Trump anymore. No, and yeah. so suddenly they're in this kind of uh, partisanal gray area. Yeah. Like Megyn Kelly and um, and then even like members of the party. Right. Like John McCain or, mm-hmm. or although John McCain voted against the health care that he himself needs <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> made no sense. I know. Um, and now people are like turning on him for that. And then there are other... Uh, right wing for the lack of a better word pundits and journalists Mm -hmm. for the lack of a better word who uh will just follow anything trump says again people in the party are doing that and they're not really representative of a political ideology they're just following so this is why you kind of have to appreciate for all of his many many shortcomings you kind of have to appreciate that sean spicer knew when to say when he he took a moment and and found his individuality and said you know what I'm going to draw the line here. But do we think that he really resigned or do we think that he just kind of was told to resign? I don't think he was the cool kid at the at the table. I, yeah. de- I definitely think he was probably a little bit maligned mm-hmm. and they kind of made fun of him a little bit. But if I he mean, thought he was one of the cool kids, he wouldn't have done that. Right. So you, so you, but I mean, you don't think that Trump said, listen, you got to get out of here, but I like you. So you can say you resigned. Maybe I don't think Trump's ego could handle that. If people were out there saying that that he resigned, mm-hmm. I think uh, Trump's Trump's he, greatest catchphrase, Slaney, is "You're fired." Yes, he I know. But he revels in fire. He also people. fired. Yeah, that's true. But and he also proudly firing he, people. He fired Comey, and people like you know he got a lot of heat for that. Whereas if someone resigns, I don't think you get quite as much heat. I think he's probably trying to avoid the fact that he fires people all the time. I mean, maybe only if his his most trusted allies are saying, "Look, you don't want it out there that you fired Spicer." Right. But it's never stopped them before, mm-hmm. and it, nothing seems to come from it. A lot of people say that Trump uh, is so nice to his like enemies. Yeah. Like you know, Putin and like his closest allies are the ones that he criticizes most usually, like yeah. Canada and Australia. Yeah. <laughs> but you put in put him with like. Putin or the prime minister of Iran or, you know, and he's like super, super, uh, uh, cordial, cordial and, and complimentary. Well, he's a moocher. He's always, yes, he's always right. been, he's always been, a, a like a schmoozy businessman type. Cause that's, that really behooves you in the business world. I'm not right. saying he's necessarily a great, the great businessman mm. that he might have us believe, but, um, he got where he is because he's obviously in some backward way charming. Right. That's not a, a big revelation. No. It's obviously true, however little we like to admit it. Yeah, no, no, no. For sure. He's a he's kind of a great persuader. Uh, yeah, the art of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deals are an art form, as I've heard it said. <laughs> anyway, good for good for good for trust Justin Trudeau. He was just here the other day. You didn't see him, did you? I didn't, no. No. So there's a there's a few different uh, news items, not a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really sure where I want to start. There's a couple of like rumored castings for like movies that could potentially be a big deal. Okay. I wanted to talk about the Barbie movie. 
Oh, I haven't heard about this yet. So, oh, maybe this, I think I heard about it very quickly. We might have talked about it on show. This concept's been shopped around a little bit already, and since it's fallen in the lap of Diablo Cody, I kind of wonder if maybe it's oh. got the potential to be like a self-aware, cheeky, um, important film, sure, and not just some schlocky emoji movie type thing, right? Um, so Diablo Cody's writing the screenplay, and every youthful. Academy Award-winning actress you can think of has chased after this part. Jennifer Lawrence, Brie Larson, Emma Stone. And now it looks as though Anne Hathaway is going to play Barbie. Oh, wow. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but like she's in close talks. And first of all, she seems old to play Barbie. She's kind of got a Barbie face, though. Does she? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to picture her blonde. I can't really see that at all. Yeah. They'll make it happen. CGI. Um, and, and, and she's like beautiful, I guess. I just, I, I, it's very hard to imagine what that movie would be. Mm-hmm. Previously, Amy Schumer was attached to play Barbie. So, like, it was never going to be... If it was Amy Schumer, it was never going to be... Um, it was never going to take itself seriously. No, definitely not. But some people joke that maybe they're going to try and do a Mattel cinematic universe and link Barbie to Transformers and... Oh, God. They probably will. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Are yeah. you kidding? That'd be so funny. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know what kind of movie... It's going to be, like, a Baywatch-style movie, but... I, or 21 I, Jump Street. Right. Something that's self-aware and kind of pokes fun at the very idea. I Like, it, it's happened enough now where they've commercially made a film out of a toy yeah. as a cash grab that they could do a parody of that now. Mm-hmm. And not in like a Wayne's Brother kind of way. I mean, sure, like in, yeah. a, in, a, in a Jump Street kind of way. But Diablo Cody's not a great comic writer. Although, I would love... I, I don't know why the whole Wayne's Brother style movie died. I think we've it's been like 10 years since we've had a good... Wayne style movie. Like I think it just ran its movie. course. Yeah, you're right. There was definitely but, no but shortage I mean, of them. But yeah, that's true. But you you know, airplane and scary movie, they're so classic. I just want like a a nice Is Airplane a Wayne's brother movie? No, 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 no. I was gonna say Sorry. no, that can't just be. Just like a spoofy style movie. Sure. Yeah, no, that's true. It's been a long time since there was like an outwardly uh parodical movie. Yeah. Um that's not a word, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I love those kind of, and, and when they hit right, they're so funny. I guess because like uh, satire and pastiche exists so prominently in sketch comedy now. It's yeah. like there's there's more sketch comedy now That's, than there has been in a long time. Yep. Yep. It's We're rife with sketch comedy. Another one is apparently they're making a movie about young J.R.R. Tolkien, which oh. is kind of interesting. Okay. You seem put off by this idea. I just, I don't know. It's just because I know nothing about his life, so I feel like I wouldn't find it interesting. But he probably had a cool life. Well, for that reason, I actually am really intrigued. It's the very yeah. same reason. I I bizarrely, for a guy who's had so much impact on modern popular culture, right. I know so little about right. about Tolkien, except yeah. that he was buddies with C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That well, he was very Christian, I think. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. No disrespect to Tolkien on that one. I don't want people to think I'm a Tolkien hater. Nobody thinks you're a Tolkien hater. Okay, good. Nicholas Holt is rumored to be in talks to play J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, Who he? Best known, I suppose. Well, he's in the X-Men movies. He plays Beast in X-Men. He was in that movie. Oh, yeah, okay. Warm Bodies. And he played the little boy in About a Boy. He played the titular boy in About a Boy. Yeah. He could play Tolkien. Sure. I believe it. Sure, I'm open to it. I have no idea what he looks like. I mean, I know what the actor looks like. Star Wars news. Uh, the guy who 
uh, portrayed Darth Vader in Rogue One. So mm. not James Earl Jones, and they used his voice again, yes. But they had a new guy in the Vader suit yeah. because Darth Vader was quite um, agile in Rogue right. One. This new guy who's like six foot five or something, he was just announced for the cast of the Han Solo standalone movie. Okay. It's very strange that there continues to be news about this Han Solo movie, which is supposed to have wrapped as of quite a while ago. Um, every time there's news about Han Solo now, it doesn't get me excited the way Star Wars news should. It gets me very anxious. Like I right. just have very little faith in what this movie could potentially become. So Darth is going to be a character in it's, the Han Solo It movie. seems very unlikely that they would cast him as somebody else. <laughs> right. Although he's just a six foot five guy. Like if he's going to put on a... Uh, a mocap suit or something because mm-hmm. they liked working with him and he wants to play, him to play a big guy or something. Yeah. I guess, but it just, yeah, it seems like they'd Who, probably... Who's playing Chewie? Is it the original guy? No. It's not Peter Mayhew. And it wasn't Peter Mayhew in uh, in uh, Force Awakens either. Okay. Um, I think maybe Peter Mayhew still does the voice, but anybody can do the voice. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, a, it's a new, more spry young fella. Right. Okay. With long legs. Okay. Um, so it's also not this dude. The other thing about about no no the other thing about about Vader is that he's supposed to be this ominous presence, not necessarily somebody who's always on the screen. Like it's easy to forget that Vader's only in the original Star Wars movie for a total of like nine minutes or something, yeah. um, in like a Hannibal Lecter kind of way. Like he's just this looming person you hear about and see briefly, and he's scary, and he was definitely. That that was the same tone approached in Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, but I remember thinking when it was announced that Vader was going to be in Rogue One, ooh, I don't know if we need him to be in there. Right. And then as it turns out, it was fucking incredible. It was awesome. But does he have anything to do with Han Solo's younger life? I don't think so. So why are we shoehorning him into Star Wars as much as possible when that was never the point of the character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many questions around this movie. It's hard to say what they're going to end up doing. I, I mean, I just hope it's... Yeah, I know what you mean about the anxiety. You don't want it to be a clusterfuck. Right. You want it to be something that, you know, with the first two movies, we've been so happy with the way they've turned out. So happy. And, and the word is, uh, episode eight is better than episode seven. Yeah. Like everybody around it says, look, this movie is darker mm-hmm. and it's sinister mm-hmm. and it's exciting and you're going to get stuff from this movie. I haven't seen any of the trailers for it yet. There's only been really one trailer and then there was one behind the scenes short that came out it was like three minutes long and it was actually just as exciting as the trailer if not a little more so because it really reveals nothing okay but there's some really exciting shots in it cool it's it's going to be a really good movie it's going to be the luke skywalker movie that that hasn't been for 30 years right yeah that's amazing yeah exactly uh speaking of iconic action stars finally at long last daniel craig agrees publicly he is going to play james bond at least one more time which is so weird I know. Like, there's so much pussyfooting around this idea. He hated... He said he would rather, what, slit his own wrists? He did say that, but I think think he was taken out of context. I'm not excusing him appearing to be ungrateful for the tremendous opportunity it was. But I think what he meant was he was promoting the most recent Spectre. Or Spectre? Yeah. He was promoting Spectre, and already uh, panelists were asking him, so what about the next James Bond movie? What about the next 007? Are you going to do another one? Are you going to do another one? Right. And I think what he meant was, I'd rather slip, slip my wrists than think about that right now. Right. Than go back and do it right now. I don't mm-hmm. think he necessarily was shunning the experience of playing James Bond. Although he is kind of a, I don't know, he's kind of a specialized, not sp- 
He's a bit of a classical actor. Yeah. You know, you could see him kind of shunning, if not just the commercialism of yeah. a franchise. That's fair. You Except know. it's made him probably close to $100 million. <laughs> oh, and yeah. if not already, it has. It's about to because they're definitely paying him through the nose to come back again. Definitely. Um, he's good for box office. He uh, revitalized the franchise. And don't get me wrong, half of his James Bond movies are among the best James Bond movies. Yep. Like, he's, he's so good. But we've already done the full arc of his character. Like, in Casino Royale, he's like the young James Bond. And in Skyfall, he's the old James Bond. Mm-hmm. And... There's already been a movie since then, so we're mm-hmm. gonna do like geriatric James Bond. And Spectre didn't even have to be made. Like there was, it reminded me of a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, which was like, hey, we're just throwing another one in here. It was trying so hard to be uh, the essential James Bond to like pull out all of the classic tropes, yeah, that are iconic to the series that they didn't really get around to before, mm-hmm. up to and including the use of Blofeld, which is like the Joker to James Bond. Right. Uh, and it was totally thrown away. They, yeah. like, they, they announced that he's Blofeld, and within 20 minutes, he's in the back of a police cruiser. Like, yeah. It was such a waste. I'm just waiting for like a scene in this series of movies where he's like surfing on a car and <laughs> like just drives into the beach and he gets out to a submarine and dives off the car onto the submarine. Like, that's the level. At first... It was cool, solid action, and now we're just at the level of, like... His opening sequences were the best. Yeah. His, yeah. And, I, again, I really have enjoyed him, but I just think it's time to move on because it's time we had a youthful James mm-hmm. Bond. I love the Let's idea of that Let's get that Jodie girl who's doing the Doctor Who. Whoa, sorry? Let's get the Jodie girl who's oh, Jody doing Whittaker. Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, sure. We talked about that a little bit last time. We did. So I, th- I think Dan Stevens from, from Legion should be playing James Bond. Now. Yeah, and Downton Abbey. And Downton Abbey. He's, he's suave as fuck in that. Yeah. yeah. I heard he weighed a lot more. I was trying to convince my mom that this guy was the same guy who was in... I was like, the main guy in Downton Abbey. I don't know. He's in two seasons. My mom's like... Three seasons. He's the, get, ma- he's the main romantic lead but in he's, Downton Abbey. But he's way more thin in Legion? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's quite gaunt in Legion. Yeah. Um, in Yeah, he's kind of got a fuller, doughier face in sure. Downton Abbey, but he's not, like, overweight. Okay. He's just kind of fuller formed. Right. Um, because he was an aristocrat in the British Empire in the 20s. And, and they, that's what they had did. lots of turkey. <laughs> and mead. And mead. Lots Do they mead. still have mead then? Maybe not. What is mead? I don't know. It's like a ridiculously like sugary alcohol that I think it was more. I think we're talking earlier, earlier on. Jonathan <laughs> Nolan, I didn't read the article, but he came out to say this week that Westworld is going to be a very limited series. He came out to say, look, I know you're liking it, but this show is not built to last. We're not going to do it forever, which I mean, we've said countless times. I love to hear that. Yeah. I love it. Well, and it, I mean, Westworld, there's not going to be any continuation, I don't think, from the last. Well, there might be slight continuation, but it's not going to be in the same world. Really? No, definitely not. You mean you think they'll cut it off and start over a la Fargo? Um, yes, with references to the last season. Like, oh. well, we want to make sure that. So the narrative doesn't... is complete within the first season of Westworld. I think so. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I think so anyway. I mean, it's not definitive, but it's they, they it seems like they kind of shut the doors on that first season and they in the last episode made an allusion to what the next season could be about. Okay. Kind of like uh Stranger Things. 
yeah. really resolves the, the main issue of the season, but then there's kind of like an open door at the end. You know, it's kind of like Jurassic Park. I think that's probably the best way of like... Well, Michael Crichton. Jurassic Park is going to shut down. Hmm. And this next park that we open is going to be fine. And we're going to reference <laughs> Sioux Falls, which first Westworld, first Westworld was. Yeah. And we're going to the next Jurassic Park. Okay. I think I'm going to have to try and give that another chance. Oh, you got to finish it. Another one I want to give another chance is Mr. Robot. We're out of a show right now. Yeah. When's Mr. Robot coming back? Is Pretty there soon. any talk of that? Pretty soon, I think. Okay. I don't really know. Third season will be interesting. Second season wasn't super into. Oh, that's too bad. That's such I mean, a strong start. It was, yeah, it had a really strong start. But I don't know. John Hurd we'll died. John Hurd. The father from Home Alone and also Biggs. Yeah, you no didn't way. hear about this? No. Yeah, he was 72. Okay. Um, which is not, it's not Super old, old, but it's like, I kind of wouldn't have thought he would be that old. Although I guess I know him best from movies that were like 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not that old, but yeah, no, I, I, that was kind of sad. Yeah. 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 That's too bad. I guess. I think was he the was. the big celebrity death of the week. I think that he was. Frank Sinatra's wife. Yeah, wife. Really? Yeah. Nancy Sinatra died. Nancy oh. Sinatra? I think that's his. There was a Nancy Sinatra. Maybe it was another. Sinatra's I think that's his wife. daughter. Sinatra's wife died. That's all I know. He probably had like four. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> uh, but one of them died. Yeah. Shout out. Rest in power. McDonald's giving Dan Herman a jug of Szechuan sauce. As a thank you. As a thank you. You're wearing a Rick and Morty shirt as we speak. Yeah, absolutely. It. It's back it. this week. I love it. I think that's that's it. Oh, no, I do have one more thing. And I mentioned the Emoji movie a second ago. Mm-hmm. There's this like weird controversy happening right now with a print ad they put out or a social media ad. Okay. So the Emoji movie comes out this Friday. And I, by the way, I've totally decided that I, I can't stand T.J. Miller. Right. People, <laughs> we've, some, we've been progressing to this some point. Some people, yeah, we have. Some people have defending him, been defending him by using the word uh, Kaufman-esque. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really giving him too much credit. I think so, too. Um, that he like plays this ridiculous character with the gold chain and everything. I think he is a pretentious pseudo-intellectual dipshit, actually. Yeah. I think that he has a natural, uh, funny patter to him, mm-hmm. but I think his ideals are really fucking dumb. Yeah. And I don't like his attitude. I think everything that he says is, uh, is yeah, pretty well thought out. Like, you know, the amount of times he referenced Nishi in mm. the interview with Pete Holmes. It was yeah. like, and he called it. He called it from the three-point line, blindfolded, swish. Yeah. That's like, okay. Yeah. Trying too hard, buddy. Yeah. yeah. So How anyway, many times have you had this conversation? Th- there's this controversy now with the Emoji Movie, which comes out on Friday. And I, I feel a little bit bad for the Emoji Movie because as of now, maybe when this podcast comes out, the reviews will be out. But as of this afternoon, Rotten Tomatoes still hadn't announced what its initial score was because mm. um, I guess critics were going to see it today for the first time. Uh, people don't want to like this movie. Sure. The same way with uh, with DC Cinematic Universe movies. Mm-hmm. I guess Wonder Woman was the exception, but people go in with the idea that they're not going to like it, and that does a disservice to films. Right. The same way if you go in determined to like something, you will love it, and it won't be until a year later when you see it again that you're like, this is just okay. Right. Um, like The Accountant. Or any Marvel movie, for that matter. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of the two ends of the spectrum. People are so determined not to like the Emoji movie that even if it was really inspired and really quite charming, mm-hmm. it's not going to get spectacular reviews. Now watch me turn out to be entirely wrong. Doesn't matter. Uh, there's an ad going around 
featuring a yellow emoji smiley face wearing a red cloak and a white bonnet and, huh. and it says an emoji's tail uh smartphone original i think it says so it's a, okay. it's, a it's a it's a parody of the sure. handmaid's tale sure which is this dark dystopic thriller about, i like i like that they chose that one to go about with. the oppression of women and the abuse of women so a lot of people are saying that this ad trivializes the subject matter oh, of the handmaid's God, tale come on. and i re- i think also that that's kind of that's that's kind of giving it too much credit. It's just yeah. a silly pop cultural gag. But what and what a funny show to choose. Like I'm all, I'm totally on board with them choosing that one. And I, they could have went a million different easier ways of things that were like slightly less popular. But that one's a little little bit of a deep cut. Well, if they did it with a bunch of different shows, it might have flown under the radar. Right. But they just seem to randomly pick this one urgent <laughs> show that people are sensitive about. Yeah. So I found it kind of interesting that it was. But it's all part of the marketing. Fully on board with that. Fully what do you think board. about uh, Bieber? Did we talk about this at all? About how he did, just dropped out of his tour and he's yeah. said to potentially be starting his own church? Yeah, he is said to be, which is kind of funny because like legions of followers coming out to gather around and <laughs> sing songs and praise you is what a church is. He should have just stayed on tour. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's canceled the rest of his tour. A couple of, of other touring musicians like John Mayer have come out to say, give the kid a break touring is really stressful and if sure. you cancel a tour mm-hmm. if you're that successful you're that successful because you're you're hard working and, yeah. if, and if you cancel a tour it's because you had no other choice right um i think people come down on bieber like there's another meme you see on imager sometimes um which refers to uh you know the time Dave Grohl played a concert with a broken leg, but Justin Bieber canceled a show because he had diarrhea. And the point the point is, Dave Grohl would never give up on you, but Justin Bieber just had diarrhea. For what it's worth, if you have diarrhea, don't do a concert. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you have like a an agile, dancey show. Sure. Like people, it's the same as the Emoji Movie. People just want to play into the narrative that already exists for this person. Same thing happens with Taylor Swift. Every time she has a new boyfriend, everybody says, oh, get ready for a new album, as if they just fucking thought that up. Right. As if it's a new idea. So people are ready to be angry when Justin Bieber does something, and it never Mm -hmm. occurs to them. Maybe he needs a break. Right, but the starting the own church thing. No, that's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my question was, do do we think he's going to start a church that's like, you know, the Christian, it's just like a Grace Lutheran church or something. Right. Or is it going to be like the Church of Bieber <laughs> where he does his own thing and, and you know, pray like it's like live telecast. Right. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying in the difference. Um, or he's just like starting his own cult. He's, well, and he already has a cult. Like I said, yeah, it's already true. a cult. That's true. Um, he has openly been a Christian since the start of his career. Right. And he had his rep said, or his source said, Justin needs time off to... to Be the one. Re, yeah, to be the one. To be the chosen one. No, to reacquaint himself with his faith. Okay. But that's ambiguous. I don't know if that means he's going to get Jesus-y again and, and, and just try and get his fans to join him. This is his like, Bob Dylan Christian face. Yeah, maybe it's like that. I think his whole career is going to be like a Dewey Cox career, <laughs> which will be so interesting. Well, I, I mean, the One Direction guys are pulling that off right now. Like Harry Styles has suddenly got this respect as like a cool artist, and it yeah. all happened at once. Right. And is is Niall Horn, is he a One Direction guy? Yeah, and he's got two songs playing on our station right now. One of them's kind of lame, but the other one's really good. Slow Hands? Slow Hands. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like all the how many One Direction? It feels like there's ten One Direction guys. There's five guys. Uh, Zayn left first. He's kind of still doing like R and B songs. He did he, bad all day. He is that his song? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he did a song with Taylor Swift. He's arguably got the best voice in okay. One Direction. Um, one of them, I think it's is it Louis has a baby now. I have no Louis, idea. Louis or what's the other guy's name? I learn their names as they release songs. Yeah. One of the other, Louie and then I can't remember the other guy's name. One of those two guys has a baby. Okay. Um, but Harry and Niall are like, are grinding right now. Right. Yeah. Harry, Niall, Zane, And then another guy has this like really poppy song that Jen was trying to get me into last night. And I said, that that's the worst song ever. Really? Yeah. No, I'm not familiar. I, th- I think it was a One Direction guy. It was awful. I was like, this is the most derivative. I mean, like, not to be pretentious, but it just sounded like everything. Yeah. And then she played me, like, the new Carly Rae Jepsen song, which is also kind of derivative, but at least it's derivative of, like, Madonna in the late 80s. No, that's a like, really like, big thing right now. fun and, and, like, kind of poppy and catchy. I think Jack Antonoff has been a big godfather in the reintroduction of, sure. like, 80s big symphonic um, uh, tones. I believe in, that in music, and, and it's one thing to do it with with like your pet project, your your pet project uh, bleachers, or even with Heim on like a small scale. Sure, but then to do it with Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. which was the biggest album of like a five year span, kind of makes it a thing that everybody wants to hear on a yeah. grand scale. And he did it again with Lord, and so yeah, '80s sounds are big again. Yeah, yeah, I and and they've kind of been big for like the last. I don't know. What would you say? Five, six years? Yeah, I guess it's kind of it's kind of come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our own Rhea May from here in Halifax has got a real '80s sound to that. That's true. Song she put out. Yep. All yeah. catchy. Yeah. Um, pop music. Pop music, man. Pop uh, music. Popular music. Um. Okay, so I think that was that covers most that's, of the things. That's I've, the news, man. I'm sorry, I'm kind of spaced out today. The, no, that's good. Yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of zonked a little bit. Like I said, I got vacation coming up. I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate your candor and your transparency. I'll always be truthful with you. But I think you, you seem fine. Okay. Right. Good. Good. How you feeling? Pretty good, I think. You Great. gave me a strongbow. I'm good to go, or a uh, cider of some sort. Do you like that Bulwark cider? Sure. Do you? <laughs> I like any cider they give me. Dude, it's, from, it's from the valley. They dude, the I, valley. anything that will. I literally, for the two years that I could drink beer between having diabetes, was drinking a beer that was basically like water. Yeah. So I was just drinking that kind and like trying to make Michelob the most of Ultra. It. Yeah. Yeah. That or like Sleeman 2.0. Yeah. So not a whole lot of taste to it. Um, so anything beyond that tastes phenomenal. And now I can't drink those things anymore. Well, and we discovered Bard's beer, which is a gluten-free beer. Yeah. The, the, more and more there are... These gluten-free beers available, yeah. but you really dislike most of them. Yeah. And I've heard it said by other gluten intolerant people that they're just not that good. But right. Bard's seemed all right, and mm-hmm. now it's discontinued. You can't get it in Nova Scotia. <laughs> no. Go figure. That's brutal. And you could only buy them one, like one at a time. And you couldn't buy a pack of Bard's. That's true. That's I've true. I would bought... buy them like for three bucks each or something. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's fine. How much money do you think in the course of a year you've spent on? alcohol for me well this is our 49th podcast <laughs> we probably had like four or five episodes that just didn't run because right. we had so much technical trouble at first right so if um, we're putting at three bucks per you spent like 150 bucks on me so far yeah i guess so and i owe you 75 for the soundcloud page yeah Jesus, you don't owe man. me for the beer though i just appreciate your company well i appreciate and your... now you're paying in bridge fare because you're driving across that bridge that's true yeah let's let that add up 
<laughs> Buck All right, we'll settle up next year. All of a sudden, I'm being very disciplinary. <laughs> you owe me for new tires, yeah. too. And <laughs> uh, Here's my expenses for the year. <laughs> Uh, if SoundCloud's still around next year, Ooh, I think it will. Chance to wrap. Uh, did you see the uh, uh, Pearl Jam Hall of Fame induction? It was mm. great. Okay, the whole thing was great. Dave Letterman inducted them. Hang on a second. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction is happening now. Just happened. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it usually happens in the summer. Maybe it does. It? I just, I, I kind of feels to me like it was like four months ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, I need to clear something up. Didn't Journey play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction like four months ago? And it was like a big thing that Steve Perry came back to play with Journey? You're probably right. You're probably right. The, here's where things get screwed up for me. Okay. I was at my parents' house. My okay. dad's like, oh, I recorded the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so that could have happened five months ago and he would think it just happened the other day and recorded it and i watched it and i probably heard about it five months ago but just watched it again i think that's probably what happened buddy funny though i'll look it up afterwards but funny enough uh eddie vetter shouted out chance the rapper cool like and was like my daughter loves you i appreciate your artistry and most importantly i appreciate the work you're doing in chicago with the youth there you're all good in my books like like gave him a huge shout out that's great david letterman brought like inducted them yeah he was really funny he was really great Uh, neil young was supposed to but couldn't do it because david letterman said he can't stay up that late right and he david letterman did this huge thing about a letter that eddie vetter wrote his son he's like first of all i want to just speak to the character of pearl jam Mm -hmm. and i'm going to read you this letter that my that eddie wrote my son when my son wanted to learn guitar and it was a guitar that eddie vetter bought for him and it was a letter for uh, harry letterman yeah, for Harry Letterman. Okay. And it was basically like, uh, hey, here's your first guitar. Make some noise. Like, do some fun stuff. And, and it was a, a like a 30-second read probably, and it ended with, because Harry likes fishing so much, you know, guitar playing is kind of like fishing. Go out there and catch a tune. Maybe if you enjoy this, I'll buy you a bigger guitar in a couple, like, in like a year or that's something beautiful maybe an electric guitar I was wow like, whoa that's so cool wow i love eddie vetter yeah that's so nice oh, what's not to like i appreciate him saying all that stuff about chance the rapper in front of a largely middle-aged rock music listening community too Isn't because there's such a blockage i've said it for so long everybody loves classic rock music yeah it is the most um uh just indefensibly excellent style of music it's the longest lasting totally um but rock, classic rock fans are the worst music fans in the world because <laughs> yeah. of how close-minded they are. They are very close-minded. And right. yeah, they just get it. Yeah, no, it drives me crazy. And, and, and many of them, not all, but many of them would just dismiss someone like Chance because mm-hmm. his name is Chance the Rapper. And that, that bridge is very valuable. Yeah. They're, uh, speaking of dismissing music, you, you got to just quickly listen to uh, Revisionist History. Malcolm Gladwell, his episode last week was called King of Tears. And oh. it was all about country music. And man, it was a good listen. And I'm someone who dismisses country music a lot. People dismiss country music all the time and they don't even know what, how to classify country music. Yeah. It's, well, it's almost becoming fashionable, but but there's also like a stadium rock, you know, Bo Burnham touched on it a little bit in his special, the whole like stadium country artist. And it's so true. The song's called Pandarin. Yeah. It's an amazing piece of comedy. Blue (laughs) jeans. Yeah. That's one of my favorite bows in a while. I just found out my brother hates Bo Burnham. Really? Yeah. It was very upsetting. (laughs) I don't think anyone, I don't think everyone could tolerate him. I can understand how people wouldn't like him. He's very, um, he, he's a, yeah, he's a little bit morose. 
Yeah, a definitely. Little bit, a little bit dark, if that's not your cup of tea. But I don't yeah. think that's it. Well, Boston. the special even ends with him like trying to figure out what his life is all about. <laughs> yeah, there's always been a through line of depression. Yeah. In his, especially since he started putting together like one-man shows. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Anyhow. You want to talk shows? Let's Speaking talk, let's talk about shows. It's your turn to, to start and to pick which show. One of them is oh, this God. brand new show that everyone's like, oh my God, it's so good. And the other one is arguably the greatest television show of all time. <laughs> so we have some hefty stuff to say, and I'm not sure we can do either one justice, but it's up to you to get the ball rolling. Okay, so I think I'm, I think I kind of want to go with the new one. Okay. I think I'm taking a bigger risk that way. Both of these episodes, both pilots, will be very difficult to cover in 30 seconds. Yeah. So I'm going to try. Yeah. Okay. So it's called Ozark. Ozark. Yes. You want to put me on the clock? Oh, yeah, of course. See, I told you. I'm very spaced out. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm sorry. I was waiting for you to grab for the phone. Okay. You can start recapping the pilot of Netflix's new drama, Ozark, in three, two, one, go. Okay. Martin Bird is a financial specialist. He's kind of uh, living a life that he doesn't seem to find too exciting. Um, his wife is cheating on him, which he learns through a video that's sent to him. And uh, he, he just kind of doesn't like his life. Then you see him go to a junkyard where he gets a call and it's from his partner. And you learn that he's laundering money. Uh, and his partner has actually been skimming millions of dollars. And uh, kills everyone. He managed to save himself. And, oh, God. It's really tough. That was it? really stressful. You covered the first 40 minutes really well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, like the show, the show was crazy because you don't learn until about 15 to 20 minutes in that he was actually laundering money. There are a lot of curveballs in this show. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned, when he's first in that financial ad- advice meeting, yeah. he appears to just be watching porn in his office while he has clients on the other side right. of his desk. You find out later, no, no, he's got a guy following his wife right. and making sure she's not cheating on him. That's right. I forgot the whole private investigator part. The private investigator thing. There's also the part where um, uh, he goes to the junkyard and mm-hmm. he appears to be hiring a hooker, but it's all just a fantasy. Mm-hmm. So there, there's these red herrings that indicate he might be scummier than he is, although he always turns out not to be until you find out he's literally a criminal. Right. Um, except not so much as his, his business partner. partners. Right. Who all get murdered in yes. cold blood. And it's he's really crazy. So close to getting murdered. Yeah. But then his pamphlet about the ozark mountains which his partner gave to him because he's trying to convince him to to let loose a little bit and buy a house in the ozarks yeah or buy a cottage or a lake house in the ozarks um and he manages to kind of just like spin this web to the drug dealer or the leader of the drug cartel that hey there's so much shoreline we can wash so much money here there's no heat there because it's not chicago chicago is filled with all this fbi and cia and so one thing that really stood out to me, which differs it entirely mm-hmm. uh, from the next show that we're going to talk about. I almost feel like we should maybe introduce the next show. Well, it's going to be in the title of the episode. People we... know we're going to talk about Breaking Bad. Okay, cool. So right. so pe- there's so much comparing and contrasting that so, we can do between so the two. So easy to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, even to, to take the opening scene. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's foreshadowing at the beginning of the episode, and then totally. you lead into... But this largely beaten down family man who's yes. just kind of going through the motions. Right. What I was going to say, excuse me, uh, it, the biggest distinction immediately in the incitement of both storylines is that Jason Bateman, Martin mm-hmm. Bird, immediately tells his wife everything. Yes. Whereas Walter White never tells his wife yep. anything. 
Yep. Um, and I found that very interesting because she had wronged him. Yeah. Uh, and it was the only way I guess he could convince her to come to the Ozarks. Now, is she under the impression that he's he's taking them there to hide? Because he's not. He's taking he's taking them to the Ozarks to further the crime. Yeah, I don't know if he explained that he's going to launder more money down there. So I think he's he is withholding. What some is laundering money? Laundering money is basically is it a literal term? Because in Breaking Bad, <laughs> he puts money in the washing machine. Does he? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it means like functioning it through channels so that you can rid it of its connections. That's exactly right. So yeah. you're, so you're buying something, you're going to the casino, you're spending it there, you're, you know, winning. So then it just seems like, oh, it was all casino winnings. It was, it's, it, it, it's a process of, uh, making it look legitimate. Ozark refers to it as cleaning. Like I can clean so much money yeah. for you, uh, which basically means just rid it of its trail. Right. But, yeah. uh. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's so weird to contrast it because he's already kind of a bad guy. Yeah, he's morally in, this, in the sense that he's he's done illegal things, but but at the same time seems somewhat morally upright. Yeah, like he wasn't skimming. He definitely loves his family, as evidenced by you know he goes out into the woods uh, on their way to the Ozark, and he just kind of whispers to himself as he uh, acquires this moment of solitude. He just keeps saying, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry." Right. Like he knows that he's dragged his family into this horrid right. thing. Although his wife was cheating on him with a lawyer. Yeah, but I don't know if she's totally out on him. I think she's just. I th- first of all, it was a weird guy for her to cheat with. Like this. Like, I think she's totally out on him because. She tried to take all the money out of the checking account true. and bail before she was stopped by the drug cartel, which was like a huge twist. It was really fucked. Yeah. And then the lawyer, her boyfriend, gets it thrown off gets the roof. thrown off the roof. Yeah. So this, I mean, compared to Breaking Bad, way darker. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Way darker first episode. It gets there quicker. You know what, man? We're going to get into Breaking Bad. I don't want to get into too much detail, but I was really surprised there were two people killed in the pilot episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you you had scenes with humor. Yeah, there was more levity <laughs> there was... for sure. There, in fact, not only was there no levity in Ozark, there's this like Becky pointed out the color palette is very distinct. Yeah. Like, there's just this hue of blueness. It's almost like Gotham City. Everything totally. is being seen through this like dark blue lens. Yeah. yeah. They ended uh, they ended with a new Radiohead song. <laughs> oh, that's weird. You know, like you don't. I, I realized that today because I was noticing like in the past. Six months, I've seen so many shows that have a Radiohead song. We saw it in Black Mirror. We saw it in yeah, Westworld. Yeah, we saw yeah. it in... And those are just shows that we watched, like, within the last six months for this show. Right. Um, and I think there's there's been, like, three in Peaky Blinders. Like, Radiohead just keeps coming up. That's so commercial people. for... You wouldn't expect I, it. For at a least, non-commercial band. At least of a time, you wouldn't I, I wanted it. to look into, like, how they allow... Their, their music to be used because yeah. it doesn't seem like something they would just sign over willy-nilly. It also went in girls. Yeah, but maybe they're just willing to put it in stuff that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I... That's kind of what I hoped. The other thing Ozark kind of reminded me of was Bloodline. Yeah. Especially tonally. Right. Like, really had this ominous, like, we're never going to get out of this kind of sensibility. Right. Now, Bloodline, I'm a little bit confused on because as listeners probably know, I only watched the second episode of oh, the... Yeah. Or the first episode of like the second season, right? I forgot so I was about that. Completely confused. Yeah, but yes, it it did it did kind of look similar. Yeah, and it felt similar. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I I liked it. I wanted to watch more. 
I think it's got huge potential. Mm. I don't know if it can live up to the Breaking Bad name. Do they know if there's going to be a second season yet? Yeah, they're, they're, apparently the plan is for five seasons. Wow. How people find this stuff out so early, <laughs> I don't know. Wow. But yeah, they've already thought it all through. Okay. You, did you notice uh, at the beginning of the episode, there's like that weird, it's almost like a coat of arms with four different symbols. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what, even yeah. what the symbols were, but apparently, I've only seen the pilot episode, but apparently the the symbols change in every episode, and those four symbols foreshadow the events of the episode. Oh, so it could be kind of fun to watch those symbols and then pause it, and then see them come come up as the episode progresses. Yeah, I like that. Tonally, it was interesting because one of the easiest ways to describe the show superficially is that it's mm-hmm. Jason Bateman, who we're so familiar with as a, a comedic actor, doing yeah. something that's so dark and heavy. Definitely. Um, but I couldn't help but notice that he was very much like your traditional Jason Bateman character, except with more crime and murder throughout the story just in that he's like kind of this docile um oppressed corporate stooge just going through the motions not really experiencing life and waiting for the opportunity to break free and do something insane that's a lot of comedic jason bateman's too well he's always the straight man but he always delivers some so in this he was straight man with sadness yep whereas he had funny lines though when he's in the vault and he's like I'm going to Scrooge McDuck with the money. Oh, like, yeah. That was hilarious. I almost wonder if he kind of vamped on that. And just Maybe. like, I, if I just want to go home and fill this, fill my hot tub with these dollar bills and Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. The laughs were few and far between. But another one, which felt out of place mm-hmm. um, tonally in the show, was when he's having dinner with his family and his daughter says she needs $10 because her classmate has psoriasis right that was a funny that was kind of it was a funny gag but it didn't fit the show and then she said fine we'll just let her face fall off i have psoriasis yeah like yeah i thought it was funny but it didn't it didn't fit the the language of the show right i didn't think yeah and and it's funny because jason maybe directed it yeah i found that interesting too do you think he directed most of it do you think there was a big push like did he have is he a producer on it? Do you have a lot to do with the show? He must have had some kind of development involvement. I mean, he's in the Netflix family just peripherally because they have uh, a development, development yeah. and he's buddies with, uh, what's his name? Job. What's his name? Oh, uh, Job. Oh, Will Arnett? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. That was not coming to me. <laughs> okay. Um, they're pretty good buddies and he's like the king of Netflix. Right. Uh, and plus, you don't have to be—you don't have to be that connected. If you're like a sought-after actor, you can be on Netflix, probably. But totally, he, yeah, he might have had some kind of involvement in the development of the show. Yeah, I, it really struck me as something you were going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I—I I mean, man, the the whole scene—I didn't picture the whole scene with the the drug dealer going that way. I—I I mean, he he kills the woman through the bathroom door. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, this is serious. Yeah, and then the other two guys. The kind of additional guys. I wasn't surprised once he killed them because clearly he's killing people. Right. I was surprised when he killed Bruce. Yeah. So quickly. Yeah. So quickly. And and you felt bad for Bruce. Yeah. He, you know, he looks at Jason Bateman and he says, I never, I would have never done this if I thought it would involve you or if it would hurt you. So was that way. true? Because Bruce kind of made like a, a last minute plea as if to say, look, kill me, but it didn't involve Marty let marty go yeah i think that was a lie wasn't it it did involve marty he was just trying to save his buddy 
or am uh, I wrong? No, I actually, that? I actually don't think that he skimmed any money. Okay, I think that the, that, that oh, plan no, was just between the those four people. You're right because when he later asks the the drug cartel guy, yeah, how he knew, he clearly didn't know because that right. was this, that was this kind of cool moment where uh, initially the drug guy was like, "Where's my five million dollars?" and Bruce later says it was eight million dollars. Yeah. And Jason Bateman asks him how he got it wrong and he says i didn't i was just bluffing i was just bluffing and then the tell was the fact that dude bruce was was quiet the whole time yeah exactly and he's talking throughout the rest of the episode right it was brutal man i i mean i i don't think i can watch more of it It it's just like if i can handle people getting shot i can't handle people getting thrown off roofs yeah that was that was pretty that was a brutal scene it was pretty gross i mean it wasn't close up it was was from the ground and usually people don't show that thing like or they show it from up top the person landing on a car or something i was just gonna say landing on a car makes it easier to see because they just kind of they can hide the body then yeah uh but no you just see him hit the concrete yes and again it's not it's not like visually gruesome it's not grotesque to look at because they don't like close up on him although i was watching through my fingers because i thought they might yeah um but the sound of it was very yep. upsetting to me and <sighs> becky really liked it oh yeah she's kind of into like murdery themed stuff sure. so yeah. i think she'll probably watch more and i think you'll watch more i will i'm definitely, definitely. giving it my ass though i think it yeah. was definitely good writing and good it was a really good pilot i kind of thought that was going to be the way it went if it wasn't i couldn't get through the episode i'm sorry Oh no no! no. I, I I got through it, but yeah. there there was some brutal stuff, and it, it basically said to me, yeah, "This is probably not for you." Yeah, it wasn't like it, for the most part, it wasn't gruesome, gory wise. No, it was just the, almost the anticipation of gore, which, to be honest, is the main reason I've never watched Breaking Bad. Right. I mean, I, I, I actually I, I don't know if I knew for sure that you hadn't watched Breaking Bad. I know everything in Breaking Bad. Yeah. There's no spoil. There's no like twist that I'm not aware of, sure. which kind of steals some of the the essence in my eventual watching through of that show. And I know that there's just one scene where a guy's face gets blown off and there's another scene where they melt the guy in acid. And then there's right. another scene where somebody's throat gets cut. And those are basically the three only gruesome scenes in an otherwise fairly violent television show. Yeah. Um, but the anticipation that somebody might've forgotten to tell me about one other thing. Cause it didn't really affect them yeah. is enough to keep me away from that show, Shoot. which is such a shame because it's so good. Yeah. Can we talk about the pilot of breaking bad? Let's do it. Oh my oh, God. I'm so to, nervous. Uh... There's so much to say. I feel like I would have killed that more. Also side note, told Jen that our furniture is described as mid century modern. And she just said, what? LOL. Yeah, Becky has been able to identify the style of both of our living rooms as mid-century modern. This is a Pinterest term. And Jen clearly doesn't have an idea for style. God, read a magazine, Jen. <laughs> I was just going to reply to her, read a book! <laughs> um, okay, so you're about to go on the clock in three, two, one. Walter White is a chemistry teacher in high school, gets no respect. He also doesn't make enough money, so he works at a car wash. His love life is dead, and his son has uh, uh, cerebral palsy. palsy. So he uh, realizes that he's dying from lung cancer. So in a fit of wackiness, he goes on a ride along with his brother-in-law, who's the DEA, and breaks into a meth lab host, sees one of his old students there, decides to go into business with him in selling meth. They rent an old RV. They cook some meth. It's really amazing. And two of the other drug guys get killed. God, you're so much better at condensing episodes than I am. But there's, I cut out so much good stuff. Sure. That really like that really stole the essence of the... Because it was, it was 58 minutes long, and 24 minutes in, I was like, 
I'm only 24 minutes in. So, so much, much has stuff happened. has happened. Yeah, it moves so quickly. Yeah. Now, it's funny because the first time I, I watched that, I remember feeling so bad. Yeah, for Walter White. He's like, so sympathetic and that's and that's what sets up this show which is ultimately about one of the great villains in cinematic history mm-hmm. um being this person who has a huge heart and mm-hmm. um uh basically nothing left. Right. Breaking Bad and frankly Better Call Saul from what I understand about it and it probably is what makes Better Call Saul the appropriate spin-off for that show are shows about how life breaks you. Mm-hmm. I mean for the lack of a less obvious term, breakage. The life life can get you down to the point where you will do heinous and unyou things. Sure. Uh, and that's certainly what Breaking Bad is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to I wanted to make an observation about Breaking Bad, which I think is among the more profound observations I've made in 49 episodes of the show. And, <laughs> sure. it's, and it's apropos of our conversation we had last week about friends from college, which discusses the concept and what's more the the modern evolution of the concept of the great American novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Savage's character in that show kind of talks about how the highly commercial young adult franchises are the great American novel because of what they do for the zeitgeist. Mm. Um, quite frankly and truthfully, I think uh, in the the 2000s, Breaking Bad is the great American novel. Yeah. Maybe not in, in 600 pages in a bound book, but in the medium for storytelling, which we by and large agree is the best way you can consume a story now, which is television. This tells you a very elaborate arc about mm-hmm. humanity mm-hmm. Um, and through a very American lens. I mean, the very inciting action of Breaking Bad is the dysfunction of the American healthcare system. Without that, the show would have no purpose. Yeah. And that is more relevant now than it was eight years ago when Breaking Bad started. That's an interesting point. If the so American Breaking healthcare ba- system wasn't that way, yeah, the show wouldn't even really exist not at all he does it because he needs money and because he needs to make something of his life before it's all over so so breaking bad is is the great story of our time yeah yeah i agree i i mean i think there are other shows that speak to that you know i think sopranos or yeah like that will be absolutely i think in the there's like a big three but those shows are gatsby-esque in their depiction of what it's like to be alive now yeah. In the Western world. Yeah, you're right. It's like a snapshot. The struggle of what it's like to be alive now. Yeah. In these in these cultures that can alter you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my essay. <laughs> that's your Go be a doctor for Christ's <laughs> sake. Dropping the mic. <laughs> but did you find that that yes, so so both episodes were very dark, but you got an idea way quicker. Like Walter White, it's a slow progression. Yeah. But Martin Bird, you kind of, he already starts off being right. a little bit bad. He's already a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. But he's doing it for his family. Well, is he? Uh, no, I don't think he is. No, because he's, he's doing a it to save his ass. He's a, well, and and he didn't need to launder money in the first place. Like, like, he's talking yeah. about, for, like, I don't know if he's doing all of this to set his kids up with an even bigger college fund but he's a financial advisor i don't think his business is struggling at all you know like the daughter says you're the boss of a a financial you're self-employed yeah yeah you you choose where the business is why are you choosing the ozarks in fact uh jesse pinkman even says to walt Mm -hmm. uh 
I think I think it must be him. He he says you're straight laced. You've you'd never do anything wrong. You're sixty ever. years old. Why is it now that you're choosing to break back? Yeah, he's even this person who doesn't know him because yeah. they're from such different worlds is saying this is this isn't you. You are you would never break a rule in your life. Right. And this is because it's suddenly starting to happen. It's right. It's been pushed to. But his response to that is also, what is it like? I see now. I can see clearly. Yeah. I see clearly, and and I think. The whole thing there is, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily matter that you're making money the honest way. Yeah. You know, like, where has that got him to this point? Right. Well, that's exactly where right. Money is money I mean, is money. he's never smoked a day in his life and he has lung cancer. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's really symbolic of how right. life just screwed this guy. Yeah. And so why why should he why should he be loyal to the rules? The rules right. don't do him any good. Right. And right. so he changes from Walter White to Heisenberg. Which I guess is some kind of uh, science reference. I guess there's some famous chemist. He- yeah, Heisenberg. There's a there's a famous ref- like a famous chemistry reference there. I don't know what Heisenberg invented, but it was I, I think it was something kind of insidious. Right. And then Walter White obviously is like kind of pure starting out. But but there, you ha- kind of have the redemption even in the first episode. Just the name of White is kind of pure, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you kind of have the, the redemption in the first episode where, you know, his son's being made fun of mm-hmm. and he walks out the back door and in through the front door and just beats the shit out of the kid that, that is making fun of his son. Yeah. Like there's that, yeah, get him, Walt. There is a that, darkness inside That him. you're kind of cheering for That's the, what they're the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're wanting him to be like the strong Walt. But then the strong Walt gets a little bit too intense. Well, yeah, and like later on in the show, it's my understanding that the Anna Gunn character, Skylar, is like the most loathed character on the show. Yeah. But she's never really morally corrupt in the show, or is she? I think, yeah, I think she um, is pretty complacent toward the end. Okay. Although with the hope of just stopping. Yeah, but being complacent about her relationship with this monster is not no. She's like help, helping to like again like to to money launder. They buy oh. they buy that car wash right to I launder know. to launder the money. I guess I knew that. Yeah, but people hate her, and yeah. they love Walt. Yeah, and did you know that Jesse was supposed to die after the first season, but he was so good they had to keep him around. Oh no way! Yeah, I found it super funny that they had like a little bit of a plot hole here. Okay, so they're staking out this house. Yeah. They have no idea what the drug dealer looks like at all. No one has seen him. They just know that he's cooking at this location. And he might be Latino. And he might be Latino. (laughs) And there's a car, literally, they say, they call him Captain Cook. Yeah. And on this guy's license plate, it says Captain Cook. Yeah. And no one, no one, the captain, right? Yeah. And no one examines that. No one knew what, like... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That was a little easy. But but it was it was like uh it was a good moment of humor when he's upstairs for some reason having sex with the, the neighbor, neighbor, which yeah. isn't really a thing that happens throughout the rest of the he's not like constantly just hooking up with girls and Yeah. You know? You're right. It was, it was a little bit it was almost Bullerian. It was like this, this yeah. like he's like this silly kid who's right. just like lives free. He, he literally, while trying to put pants on, falls off the roof and he's like Ugh! It's a little out of character. He's always, yeah. Stands up and he's kind of looking around. Although doesn't Jesse provide at least some comic relief for the series? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But mostly uh, in dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it gets super dark for him too. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Man, it was really good. 
Oh yeah. It's really rough because like I know what happens next. I've seen the whole first season. Yeah. But it's it's so good, and I it's such a shame. I don't think I can. <laughs> yes, you can. It's really not that bad. I know what happens. Is the other thing. I know I know where it goes. Sure. I know where it goes. But if you want to watch the Great American Novel, why don't you? I didn't say I wanted to watch the Great American Novel. I've never, I've never read the Great Gatsby. You haven't? No. Oh. But again, I know how it goes. <laughs> and that's good enough for you. Yeah. Wow. I find that so interesting. So interesting. Don't that judge I... me. No, I'm not judging you. I said I find it interesting. I didn't say you're a dick for not reading it. I don't know. And you're a dick for not watching it. Dick. I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. Anthony Hopkins binges the Breaking the Breaking Bad, the entire series. He he watches the whole thing in like two weeks. Anthony Hopkins of all people watches. He watches all of Breaking Bad. Okay, consistently, like still watches it. No, I'm telling you a story. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Ho- Sir Anthony Hopkins watched all of Breaking Bad in two weeks, Thank and you. he hand wrote a letter to Brian Cranston, which Brian Cranston then put out on the internet so mm-hmm. people could read it, in which he says. Brian Cranston's performance as Walter White is the single greatest performance he's ever seen of any kind. Right. And congratulations. It's yeah. so incredible. And then he signs it, Tony Hopkins. <laughs> and when you read it, you're like, who's Tony? Oh. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Brian Cranston tweeting it out and saying, thanks, Tony. Just <laughs> Anybody know who Tony super, is? Super thanks, brief though. about it. Yeah, so I thought that was really, really cool. I mean, it's said to be one of the one of the great things. It's so interesting, isn't it? That like he was so familiar because we're from the generation that watched and loved Malcolm in the Middle, and he was mm-hmm. incredible in that show, but yeah. for such different and was reasons. in Tidy Whities through throughout the seasons. I made a note of that actually. That yeah. like he's immediately in Tidy Whities yeah. again in this show. It's almost like he's he asks like, "Can I be in Tidy Whities at any point?" Well, in fact. Um, I think Breaking Bad was even billed as a black comedy at first. Yeah, they didn't really know like what it was going to be. Would you still classify it as that throughout the end, or is it just really high drama towards oh, it's, the end? Oh, it's high drama toward yeah. the end. Yeah, there's not necessarily like... No. I, it, I would say it, that lasts throughout the first two seasons, maybe. Yeah. Where they're kind of getting into some like escapades and... But there's serious drama throughout. Vince Gilligan had worked with Brian Cranston on a handful of episodes of The X-Files previously. Oh, really? Just he was like a character actor in it? Yeah, I guess so. And I, it was The X-Files, right, that Vince Gilligan yes. got his start on? Yeah. He, Vince Gilligan has this really interesting rise to the industry where he was just like a person in the world mm-hmm. who wrote a spec script for The X-Files. Like they had a contest. Basically, like, write an episode of The X-Files and we'll give you $100 if we like your script. <laughs> yeah. And so he wrote an episode of The X-Files because he's just a dork. I thought he was, like, the creator of The X-Files. No. Oh. No. Wow. He wrote an episode and they got it and they were like, uh, we're not going to give you $100 for it. We're going to hire you and we're going to make this episode. Right. Like, it was amazing. Sure. And so he got hired on as a staff writer and he, I guess Brian Cranston was in a handful of episodes of The X-Files, so he and... And Vince Gilligan kind of became sort of friends in mm-hmm. that time. And so he really went to bat for Brian Cranston when he was pitching this to AMC. Like, look, I think Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle is the guy to play this part. And AMC was like, he's a comedic actor. That's never going to work. This this character, you want him to be really dark. Let's get like Matthew Broderick yeah. or John Cusack. And those were the two names they said. Wow. Like, those are those are guys that can play beaten down but could be nefarious if we, right. if we spun it. And that's kind of interesting. Like, especially John Cusack. I can really see that. And neither would be necessarily bad. Like, I think 
good actors. I think we could still be talking about it with either of them as the actor. Now, it would be the character would be a little bit different, but well, and it, it would be played differently. I mean, the writing might be the same, and really that is, I guess, the star of, of Breaking Bad, but but that performance is really a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and anyway, they, they, they finally uh, agreed to let Brian Cranston take the job, and the rest is history. I still remember my uh, sister's boyfriend at the time like sitting at the dinner table with us and saying oh man you gotta watch it you know brian cranston and i was like no he goes okay he was the dad on malcolm in the middle and i was like okay seriously yeah it's like yeah he's this high school teacher and then he becomes a meth maker he, a yeah. meth cook yeah with one of the kids from from the high school like that he taught at which almost sounds like a weird r-rated comedy when you put it like he said he kind of says like you know, it, it's it's like a funny show, like it's but it's dark. It's not a funny show. Well, there's no, some laughs in it. He might not have described it as a funny show. Yeah, but there, yeah, I think, and I think throughout the season there are more laughs. Yeah, but <coughs> yeah, excuse me, they're just like situational laughs. Like I can't believe this is happening. Right, right. But you know what? I never, even in the pilot, I never said, "I'm sorry, this is going too quickly." The only part that kind of made me think uh, was when he. Uh, locks those two other drug dealers in the gas chamber that he built in a second in, right. in the trailer home. He kills two people. Yeah. Like, mild-mannered Walt kills two people yeah. in the first episode. But again, that's kind of good for setting the show on a course. Right. Because, you know, it's immediately he can't turn back. And it was self-defense. Like, there was not much True. of another way out. One thing that I True. noticed was he was holding the, the door shut and they're firing shots yeah. out of the screen. Like, he could have just died right there. I, I feel like they should have found a different way for him to keep the, the screen of the RV shut. Yeah. Because well, he's standing right in front of it and I they're firing think, just above his head. I think he reason. leaned into the door yeah. and then they fired some shots through. Like, he didn't even, it didn't even occur to him that that could happen. Right. Although it occurred to me immediately as soon as he <laughs> shut the door. But then the, fi- the shots stop because they die. Yeah. They get gassed inside. Right. Uh, what did you think of the symbolism that is in him trying to kill himself? He's standing out in the, in the middle of the street in the beginning of the episode. Then we flash back three weeks later and they show us all the events that lead us up to him having done all these horrible things mm-hmm. and thinking the police are coming to get him. He's standing out in the middle of the road with a gun. At first, he's ready to start firing the gun at the cops. Yeah. And then as a few more beats go by, he starts to realize, no, this is ridiculous. Uh, I should just kill myself. And he pulls the trigger on himself, and it clicks. Right. Not because the gun isn't loaded, but because the safety was on. And what is the, what is the symbolism of that? I mean, he cheated death in that moment, and isn't that kind of what the show is about? Yeah, about cheating death and being able to... I think... Yeah, I think it's like you can cheat death, but you still need to know when to stop. Yeah. Because... That sets them on the course to cook meth and make he never, money. He never knows when to stop, though. That's the, that's never, the issue. Yeah. That, that's the whole theme of the show is like, like you know, him having those those uh, conversations with his wife. Mm-hmm. His wife basically saying, "You're done. Like, why are we still doing this?" Yeah. Well, but it makes him powerful. Yeah. You know, and like that's they, exactly why he and his wife like they they have this previous really sad mm-hmm. sex scene early in the episode where she's like. She's like giving him a hand job for his birthday. Right. And, and he's, she's not, she's like on the internet while she's doing it. It's really like sad yeah. and unintimate. And then in the end, it's, it's hot and like it, they they've got it, a spark back because Walt has rediscovered his, his inner strength. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess that's, yeah, he, he, he finds himself in this evilness. Wu-Tang said it, cash rules everything around me. And until that stops being true, we're going to have shows that are all about getting money like Ozark, like Breaking Bad. <laughs> you just like... blended the Wu-Tang quote right into a thing about Ozark. And I was like, I was still with you. I was like, did they say all this? And then you said Ozark. And I was like, <laughs> Sorry. no. <laughs> no, no. They didn't say it like Ozark, but, but cash rules everything in Ozark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the whole reason for the entire story. Money is the theme of that story. Money rules everything yeah. in Breaking Bad. I think power throws everything in, in Breaking Bad. Well, uh, yeah, but but the whole reason he starts doing it in the first place is for money. Yeah, but that's first not- you get the money, then you get the power. Okay, do I have to go into a whole Scarface thing too? Okay, <laughs> now I'll bring it back to Sopranos, which okay. is also about money and power. Right? Maybe it's okay. Maybe all the themes are money and power. It's about or it's, that money. Is Sopranos power. is about loyalty and power. Uh, sure. You'd know better than me. I don't know. I don't know. I think. Yeah, sure. I think maybe they try to 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 paint it as a story about loyalty yeah or maybe they try to paint it as a story about money that's actually about loyalty okay on a, on a deeper level definitely ozark is about money yes i agree yeah i mean he has this whole really amazing monologue about money the value of money and the yeah. opening of the show yes and, and we you don't end up seeing that scene at the end of the show when do you think that scene comes? I wanted to ask you about that. Was that a flash forward? Yeah, I think it's a flash forward. Or possibly was it? Or maybe it was it not. Maybe that was like him doing the deed before shit goes down later on. No, no, because it's definitely in the Ozarks. Oh, yeah. He was in the woods and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, maybe it happens in like the last 10 seconds of the season. Yeah. It, that's what I think initially gave me the bloodline sense. Sure. Was because it starts with that creepy monologue in the rain where they're lugging the body through and they say we're not bad people, we just did a bad thing. Oh, that's how bloodline starts. Oh yeah, you never saw the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing though. Yeah, no, it was a really awesome creepy opening and it's yeah. all a flash forward. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Maybe I should watch Bloodline. Sad and ended. Yeah, the third season was apparently really terrible though. Oh, that sucks. Like it was the last season and they didn't tie it up well. Ugh. I'm looking over my notes. I mean, like, this is kind of like in the past when we've done Saturday Night Live or something on a podcast. You just you can't say everything about it. You can just kind of say what what it made you feel. Mm. Um, how are we supposed to feel about Hank? Are we supposed to find him obnoxious? Yeah, I think so. You're, you're supposed to find him obnoxious, and you're supposed to really uh, dislike him. Although, watching it again and, and knowing where everything goes, it's hard. I didn't feel as bad for Walter White this time. Right. Because you know where it goes. Sure. And I didn't hate Hank as much because you know where it goes. Right. You know, I, I felt like Hank, at a certain point, he's, he's more of a protector of Walter and you can even see it in that episode he's just yep. pretentious he, he's kind of like a big brother well he's just kind of a douche yeah. he's, ju- he's just like kind of a bro right but he does say like at his birthday we like you yeah you know, he, he and he invites him on the ride along he, it, it's very apparent and that's actually one of the more interesting relationships to watch it's super apparent how much he cares about Walter throughout weird. the show weird that's like important as, as much as he gives him a hard time like it's like when he calls him at like six o'clock in the morning or whenever mm. it is and he says hey i'm just thinking about and and hank's like is everything okay like are you all right mm. and he says i'm just thinking about doing that ride along and he's like oh yeah yeah you know and let's yeah. do the ride along and then he's obnoxious on the ride along but it's like kind of how he is I yeah think. yeah uh, there's apparently often been made comparisons between hank and 
Captain Ahab from Moby Dick. Okay. Just in that he's like obsessively chasing Heisenberg. Right. Just like, just, he's just so focused on catching his white whale. Right. I think he even refers to him as his white whale in right. the show I read somewhere. Um, his Walter White Whale. His Walter White Whale. I don't think that was a mistake. No. You're probably right. That's probably why they named him Walter White, was to make whale jokes <laughs> later on. <laughs> but you do wonder, you know, a lot of these, there's so much symbolism, even with like small things in the show. You know, like when he's wheeling around that massive barrel in the first episode right before he passes out. Yeah. Like later on in the seasons, he's wheeling around barrels the exact same way that are filled with whatever mm. to make crystal math. Yeah. And so when you look back, you kind of like see these scenes. We're all the same. Yeah. You know what stood out to me is I wondered if this was symbolism. When you see him pull up to the school in a Pontiac Aztec, mm-hmm. I was like, is that a symbol for he's a loser? Oh like, yeah. Because like, remember when the Aztec came out and everybody hated the Aztec? Yeah. Yeah, and he has that through he has that through like the first four seasons until then he gets this badass low rider like Chrysler five hundred or something. But it's yeah. at the time it was like a cool kind of like rap video car. <laughs> and he like puts on his fedora and right. everyone's has his goatee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, do you give Breaking Bad your S? No. Sucks. No, sorry. Terrible show. S for sucks, maybe. No. <laughs> yes, of course. Four S's all around. I love having yeah. a four S show. I, I think we knew it was going to be going into this. Yeah, People were talking about Ozark very prominently. And, yeah. and once we watched Ozark, we said we were originally going to use another show for it. We were originally going to use Narcos. But yeah. after watching, because we knew there was a drug cartel in it, but after watching it, you mentioned this morning, and I was kind of like... Yeah, I don't know why we decided to go Narcos because as I was watching it the entire time, I said, you know, there are obvious very, Breaking Bad, parallels. very Breaking Bad vibe. Yeah. Yes, and you know that the pitch for this show is definitely, you know, picture like Breaking Bad, but the guy was already kind of bad, and he's just working on the money laundering side of it. The so argument made go? on Reddit was that it's Breaking Bad meets Justified. Do you know Justified? I know of Justified. Yeah, it's a, isn't it kind of like a vigilante cop in Kansas? I don't know. I think that's I don't know a thing. justified. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I wouldn't be able to to understand why that drew any comparison. There was quite a big thing this weekend of people putting on the first episode of Ozark, not really knowing what it was, and sitting in front of their TV for ten hours. I love that. I would have done. Like, I wanted to watch another episode, but it was kind of like, well, you go home now and watch another one. We're I think done. I might. We did this. Although now I'm at a point where Jen watched the first episode with me. Can I keep watching? Oh, Will I get? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, what did I have that with not too long ago? Oh, uh, This Is Us was a big thing, where I, like, I didn't think we were going to keep watching, and then I watched it. And sure. Was, uh, yeah. It's like, you watch it without me? Yeah, and that's like cheating. I Well, it's funny because when uh, I told my friend, hey, come over and we can watch Game of Thrones because I have cable now, so we can just watch it live. Mm. And I knew that Jen probably wasn't going to be able to stay up, but I offered it. And I said, okay, well, Brent might come over and watch it. And she was like, what? Matt? And I was like, what? She's like, you know I want to watch it with you. And I was like, well, I'll watch it again. And she said, well, it's not the same. And I sure said, it is. I didn't think this was such a big deal. And she said, it's TV. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was such a good line. It is like, a good, it's a good argument enough. against you too, because yeah. you love television. Yeah. I, yeah. And I said, I'm wearing a Rick and Morty TV shirt. Yeah. I, like, So yeah, at that point I said, you know what? Okay, I'll call it off. Yeah. <laughs> really? You I'll, did? Yeah. I so called you called your off. friend and said you can't come over. I did. Wow. 
I said, you can't come over. That's cold. No, he was pretty understanding because he wanted to watch it with his girlfriend too. Right. Or maybe he was in the exact same predicament as me. Anyway. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't television cheat on people. No, that's true. It's like real cheating. No television cheaters. No. We should make t-shirts. Do we have enough fans to, to have merch? I think we might. Yeah, probably. Yeah. We gotta get verified on Twitter first. Let's do it. Uh, well, uh, Will Smith at Comic-Con while promoting his movie Bright this weekend said that the first time he saw Star Wars was better than the first time he had sex. So, uh, I guess never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. (laughs) 